It's a beautiful morning. The birds are chirping. The sun is shining. And you're listening to Breakfast with Rosie. Next up, some smooth jazz on your drive to unemployment. What the I know it's mean to say you're green, but you gots to leave WWE. You're not fit to be the shit, so stay at home and make my grits. That's the first verse. If anybody's looking for a new co-host for any radio <laughs> show, I'm available. Good evening, wrestling fans, entertainment fans. This is Anthony of wrestling-news.com. I want to thank you very much for listening tonight. Oh, how I had no idea that the wrestling world was filled with atheists. Dixie, you are forgiven. Hi, Kermit D. Frog. I am the new GM for Raw. NXT. NXT. Yay! Get the fuck out of here. Go into the TNA Impact Zone with one of those metal detector wands. And when Hogan comes out to cut his promo and he's doing the echo guitar, just turn the fucking thing on. <laughs> Since youngins do listen, some of you youngins out there do listen, I think it's a little bit too inappropriate to be using the word cut on this show. People out there, remind me in a little while the word Hindu. That's how the shows go. If you're new to the show, whatever comes to my mind, that's what I say. <laughs> uh, total non-stop Anthony That's what you got tonight Total non-stop Anthony Total non-stop Anthony Total non-stop Anthony Unbelievable The difference six hours can make You have no idea How sick yours truly feels right now I'm amazed That I'm able to do this episode of Breakfast with Blossie. I am Don Tony, as always, and it is July 18th, 2018, about 3 p.m. Eastern Standard. And as I'm doing this, I'm literally wiping a whole bunch of sweat off of my head. I don't know what happened. And the funny thing is, this morning, something happened in my office that I was going to tweet about. Something funny and disgusting at the same time, but I got inundated with a few other customers, so I never had the opportunity to do so. But I got to just share with you. I woke up this morning around 6.30. It felt fine. I took a shower, had coffee, watched TV for a little bit. Felt great. Go to the office a little after 8. Feel fine. I figure I'd come home around lunchtime, do breakfast with Blasi, go back to the office. No big deal. Customer walks in at around 9.30. Hey, Anthony, what's going on? Got to make a payment, blah, 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 blah. So I take his payment. Everything is fine. And... You know, we're talking a little bit about the weather and some other stuff. He's like, hey, can I use your bathroom before I, before I go? I said, sure, no problem. And my bathroom in the office, there's a fan that is built into inside the bathroom. So when you turn the light switch on, the lights go on, but also a fan goes on. And it filters out in case somebody takes a dump or anything like that. So he had the door closed. And obviously he was peeing with the light off because I didn't hear the fan. I heard him peeing, but I didn't hear the fan. So he's taking his leak. Now, he didn't pee all over the place. You know, he urinated like anybody else did, flushed the toilet. Everything was fine. So he comes back. All right, I'll see you in about a month. You know, this is that, blah, 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 blah. Shakes my hand and he leaves. So, all right, he leaves. I'm at my desk, about to have another cup of coffee, eat my bagel, see what else is going on, take a couple of bites of my bagel, and then it fucking hit me. This motherfucker shaked my hand, and he never washed his hands after he took his leak. I never heard the sink go on. And I'm like, did this guy fucking just hold his fucking sweaty summer penis and then fucking shake my hand, and now my hand just touched this bagel that I just ingested a couple of bites from? Now, I don't know. Maybe he did wash his hands, but I don't recall ever hearing the water go on. I go in the bathroom. I look at the sink, and it's bone fucking dry 
So I don't know, man. I don't know if it's related to how I feel right now. It's not, you know, I noticed some people out there that could get shkivatsed at something and then all of a sudden feel deathly ill, but it's more of a psychological thing than anything else. But I'm telling you, I am sweating like bullets like you wouldn't believe right now. My throat hurts. I feel like I got a fever. It's just everything seems like it's crashing down. So I want to get this episode done as quickly as possible. And quite honestly, look, anybody out there that surfs the net, goes on websites, listens to other podcasts, as far as wrestling news goes, over the last 48 hours, not much has changed from the Don, Tony, Kevin Castle show. I think the biggest development is more fallout regarding Hulk Hogan um, rekindling his relationship with WWE. And that's the best way I can put it because he has not signed any contract deal with WWE again. He has not signed a Legends deal. All that happened was WWE welcomed him back into the family. That's really the best way to put it. And thank you to everybody out there who did check what I have been saying since Sunday that WWE never publicly suspended this guy before. WWE never publicly took him out of the Hall of Fame. It was never made public. And I am convinced more and more backtracking to 2015, looking at the chain of events, looking at Hogan's comments four, five, six months later where he didn't even know what the hell was going on. WWE, very, very slick. They never made it public three years ago because they didn't want to deal with the outrage and the backlash. They didn't want to deal with people saying, look, you know, how can you you think about it? It makes sense. Without naming names of other people in the Hall of Fame, there are other members of the Hall of Fame who have done things or been accused of things. And but even putting the accused aside, there's people who have done things. And I think WWE did not want websites, journalists, blogs, fans, websites, podcasters start comparing other Hall of Famers to Hogan. Oh, you did that for him. Why didn't you do it for him? I brought up Mike Tyson on Sunday. That's just one example. You could probably come up with 10. And, oh, if you're going to do that to Hulk, why didn't you do it to this person? Why didn't you do that? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? What about Snooker? What about this? What about that? And there's other wrestlers who are alive and on the great good graces of WWE that you can make arguments for as well. So WWE three years ago, very, very smart, never publicly said anything. So because they never publicly acknowledged it, nobody could really give backlash other than giving opinions on assumptions. And I also look back on it and I'm a little bit surprised and I'm not at the same time that all of these places who have interviewed people in WWE management over the last three years, especially when it gets near WrestleMania time, nobody ever really posed the hard hit questions. Yes or no. Is he in the Hall of Fame or is he not? Is he this or is he not? Is you is or is you ain't my baby? I don't know. It just came to mind for some reason. But no, but seriously, nobody hit those hard-hitting questions. So WWE really, really was slick three years ago. And, you know, I I knew that I was onto something Sunday when none of these websites now are basically saying, how are you reinstating someone you never publicly took away in the first place? All right, fine, whatever. But the outrage amongst fans, not all, but, you know, a small portion of fans, is, to me, a little bit over the top. Now, Monday, Kevin and I and Don Tony Kevin Cashel gave our final thoughts about the situation. And, you know, a lot of people agreed with my feelings on the situation, and a decent amount disagreed. All right, the one thing that I know that I said on Monday for newer listeners out there is that I have criticized Hulk Hogan over the years, many times for these racist comments okay i it's funny how people forget that horrible spoof song that i made three years ago called white american you know i am a white american fight for the whites of every man remember that spoof what the fuck did you think that spoof was for me just deciding hey you know let's come up with the crap song du jour you know just another horrible spoof song no that was about his comments 
I never condoned his comments. I criticized him repeatedly. And I don't blame newer listeners that were not around during all those rants that I did about Hogan. But again, I live in a country, I live in a society, I live with a conscience that some people are redeemable. All right, yes, when it comes to Hollywood, yes, when it comes to public figures, yes, when it comes to, you know, mainstream people, they will have more motives to turn, you know, to learn from their mistakes or turn the other cheek. It's bad PR. I don't blame anybody out there for thinking immediately Hogan, bad PR. Huh? Gotta gotta apologize, apologize. I learned from my state, brother. There is that. All right. But the thing is, is that from all intents and purposes, from everybody who who was close to Hogan during these last three years, have all said the same thing: that this man truly, truly learned from his mistakes. Now I've had people out there throwing my face the last forty eight hours. How could you all of a sudden not be racist after being racist for thirty five years and this and that? You gotta understand something. I'm not in Hogan's shoes. I can't give you an answer like that. All I know as a human being is that there you if you are truly a forgiving person, all right as I said Monday, sometimes you got to forgive people you don't necessarily like all that much. And for everybody out there to be on their high horse, like they have never, ever said anything themselves, or I can't relate to the racism that black people still experience to this day. I do know that at different points in my lifetime, I have been treated like shit and in some cases profiled, all right? Not really towards blacks, but I always said, I no disrespect to my Jewish listeners out there. My personal experience through the years, I have dealt more prejudice towards Jewish people at me than anybody else. But I'm not going to turn around and fucking judge every single Jewish person who has been accused of having prejudices and that, that, you know, says that they learn from their mistakes. So, you know, you got to give this guy the benefit of the doubt. Now, as far as WWE employees and wrestlers go, people who are in that business, who are in that work for that employer, you know, it's going to be down the middle. Not necessarily 50-50. You're going to have black wrestlers in WWE or close to WWE who will forgive Hulk Hogan. There will be others who will not. There will be some who will say, you know what? Only time will tell. All right? So that's all you could do is respect that. And I read comments from Mark Henry. I've seen comments posted by others. And I've also seen reports that were grossly exaggerated, the Titus O'Neil claims and other stuff. But at the end of the day, again, we are humans. We do make mistakes. People, if they really want to, can learn and heal and just grow. You know, it doesn't matter how many years it is. It's just sad to see how many people out there that treat this situation with Hogan and racism as an uncurable disease. You know, you could be abusive towards women. You could be a pig. You know, you can do this. You can have an addiction. You can have a, a criminal activity. And yet you can repent. You can learn. You could grow. You can improve. You can make yourself a better person in all those scenarios. But when it comes to Hogan's view about someone outside of his race, it's irreparable. It's just, that's the thing that I don't get. And I don't care what nationality you are to feel this way. Look, we're also in a PC world. Look what happened at the All-Star game yesterday with Josh Hader. All right. I totally agree with everybody that said, you know, him saying, oh, I was only 17 at the time. You know, it's still fucked up. You know, yeah, you're very young. You say outrageous things to get attention. You think you're cool. You think you're, you're this, you're whatever. It's moronic. It's stupid. But I, from what I see so far with Josh Hader, I don't see anything from age 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. There's no pattern of it. All right, so maybe he did learn and grow from it. He's going to sensitivity training, and some people think it's crazy because he hasn't had those feelings or said it publicly for seven years just because you don't say it publicly doesn't mean that you're not 
possibly still having racial tendency. Look at Hogan. If that recording never was made public, none of us would know any of this right now. And Hogan would, could still very well be going on with his life the way it is right now, and you would never know his deep feelings about the uh, the black race when it comes to dating with his daughter just in general. All right, And here's another thing, too. You look at this day and age, and you think of racism. You think, and I, I swear to you, I don't bring up politics rarely at all on these shows anymore, unless it's really warranted. You know, everybody thinks that I, that, that you know, that say I always talk politics on these shows. I've done a total of five and a half minutes talking about Trump on any of these shows since January. That's all. But I will say this, if you think back at the election, because you voted for Trump, you're a, homo, you're a homophobe, you're a racist, you're a, you, everything. What did you hear? Over and over and over again. And it's been thrown around so much that everybody accuses everybody of this. Now, Hogan himself, in his comments, said, I'm a racist. All right? He may not even understand the true meaning of racist. Did he really hate blacks? A lot of blacks say no. But he is guilty of what I said on Monday. A lot of you out there have had relatives who you, you know, may they may still be with us. They may have passed on. But you have relatives. You have had at least one relative, most likely, in your lifetime that didn't want to see their own relatives date anyone except for within their race. I've had them too. And I learned about 15 years ago. I went to a wedding. My cousin showed up with a black woman and you know you would have thought like everybody who were the usual suspects would have been like <gasps> and she was treated just like everybody else there were a lot of people in my family that did not agree with same-sex relationships all right a lot of people that a catholic don't believe in that a lot of the people say the teachings in the bible are against that I went to a wedding, my own cousin, she married another woman. And when we first got there, you had a few people with the jokes, oh, who's the best man and who's not? <laughs> but once the wedding came on and they were dancing and they were together, they were just two people who loved each other. Everybody respects that relationship to this day. Very, very cool people. So you do learn, you do grow over the years. All right, so to say that there's no way, shape, or form Hogan can redeem himself and have grown is just very, very ignorant and shallow. And in some cases, people are just using any excuse whatsoever to hold this against them. There are people, not saying any of you out there, but you know this for a fact, there are people out there who need racism to remain, who need problems to remain, because that's the only way that they can you know, push their cause, their agenda. And you know, I'm not, I don't wanna bring up certain names, but the, I'll throw one out there, Al Sharpton. You think seriously that Al Sharpton would love to one day have everybody in peace and harmony, his services would no longer be needed. There are a lot of people out there. Their services would, if everybody treated everybody the same, there's a lot of people who would no longer be needed for what they do. And it's sad. It's sad. But all I know is that I can only control my surroundings. I live with the idea I treat others how I want to be treated. And when I mentioned that clip on Patreon of me hanging out with my friend Stanley, who is in his 60s and he's a Jamaican guy and, you know, just, just the way he was treated in my shopping center a month ago, we didn't plan on recording this and having a conversation about racism, but we did. And you got to see yours truly raw, you know, outside of these shows where I dog on everybody, including my own nationality. So at the end of the day, you know, you have to, as human beings, sometimes give people the benefit of the doubt, even though you could be skeptical. Yes, you could still keep that thought in the back of your mind that, you know, hey, you know, you never know, something else could leak out. And that's how I feel about Hogan. Will Hogan be 100% forgiven by people? No, absolutely not. Do I think he has completely done a 180? No, I don't think so either. But I think he realizes now how bad that was of what he said and how many people he hurt and how terrible that is. And I think he has grown by it. Now, 
I apologize for spending 15 minutes on this. Like I said, in the last 48 hours, not much has progressed. I did see SmackDown yesterday. Seeing Olmus put on a wonderful f- performance with AJ Styles. Yeah, you know, I was a little taken back by the number of people on social media um, that were saying, oh, he got no pop, no reaction. The fucking guy's been on TV on the main roster, what, twice? Give this man time. My reaction to yesterday, I I had the same feeling towards him that I felt somewhat towards Rusev when he first came into the main roster. You know, this is an international guy, international style, sexy valet manager by his side. And, you know, he is an excellent performer. Let's see the character development on Cian Almas. All right, that is going to be the most important part of his in-ring career on the main roster, his character development. He is a great wrestler, all right? Sure, wrestlers will will always try to improve and also try to tweak their, you know, their in-ring repertoire over the years. They're always trying to evolve and keep things fresh. Jericho is the greatest example of that. But as far as seeing Almas, being talented is not enough when you're in world wrestling entertainment, you have to have that connection with the fans. Look at James Ellsworth, all right? So happy for that guy, all right? And you just remember the pop that he got when he unreeled, un- revealed him to be under that Oscar mask. All the love and appreciation that had been shown towards him, and you actually look at his WWE career, and it was designed with the exception of the early AJ Styles matches and you know some of the little jokes towards his way. He was there to be this little scrawny guy that you just wanted to see get the shit knocked out, but you but still you enjoyed his performance on TV. He clicked with the fans. James Ellsworth has not been brought there to tear the house down in four-star matches. He is there because he's a character and he clicked with the fans. I'm not saying seeing almost is gonna be a James Ellsworth. I'm not even a little my point is his character development is what is most important as far as the progression of his career. But the 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 match he had yesterday was no pun intended, phenomenal. And let's see where it goes from here. Another thing that I absolutely loved yesterday, and we and I'll get back to the Hogan stuff in a minute because I definitely want to read two statements that were put out by wrestlers. All right, um, that really, I guess, I guess tackle both sides of the Hulk Hogan debate right now. But I I want to comment on a few other things as well. Uh, Becky Lynch now taking on Carmella. I don't know where this leaves Oscar right now. All right. I, again, I will stick to what I've been saying for quite some time now. All right. Asuka's career is not fucked. You give her a couple of wins and eventually a title very, very soon, and all is forgotten. Look at Shinsuke Nakamura. His WWE career on the main roster has been subpar. A lot of it is the way WWE used him. Some of his in-ring repertoire, it's not strong style other than two or three moves for the most part. you know. But look, he got the U.S. title, and you notice a lot of the negative buzz about Nakamura and the current roster is gone away so Asuka you know she is not damaged goods it's not a situation like back then with Funaki and Spike Dudley if anybody goes back to my hotline days the two most dumbest things that I saw on the main roster was Spike Dudley having a championship run and Funaki getting a plethora of wins all of a sudden their careers were always lost, 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 dis- destroyed, lost, lost, destroyed, lost, lost, lost. And then we're supposed to have the suspension of disbelief that now they can all of a sudden win, 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 without just because Spike Dudley turns heel. You know, and I was a big fan of Spike Dudley. I had no problem with him. It was just hard to suspend disbelief that all of a sudden he's winning over, 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 and over, and over, and over, and over. All right, is Asuka on that level where she's it's irreparable? No, not in the least. I felt all along that Asuka losing was to help Carmella be a little bit more legitimate as champion and not the reverse. You know, over the years, you've always heard people use the term being jobbed out. Oscar is not being jobbed out. Oscar is not in the doghouse. This is not a case of someone being jobbed out to the point of being released. 
All right, the the one that I remember week after week on the show talking about at the time, it just felt that way was Chavito when they were doing all the stuff with Hornswoggle. What do we keep saying week after week after week after week after week? And yeah, we're not wrestlers, so it kind of sounds ridiculous us using terminology, but felt like Chavo's, the, the tail end of his WWE career, they were jobbing him out, jobbing, 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 humiliating him, jobbing, jobbing, and just totally to the point where his, he had no more net worth. All right? Sure, they're not having Asuka get beat up from a midget or anything like that, but Asuka is not being jobbed out to the point where her value is worthless. It's the opposite. Asuka being put in his position was to try to help get Carmella up to a different level as far as legitimacy as champion. And it did not work because a lot of what Carmella is about in the ring is exposed. And yeah, I see the tweets where Carmella tries to like throw it in people's faces. Oh, because she breathed, you know, she breathed air that she did it wrong and this and that. It's nothing personal against Carmella. Carmella online tries to make it personal that, you know, oh, someone like me couldn't be champion, this and that. Oh, it's this, it's that, it's this. No, it's Carmella the character. That's why I specifically, when I talked about it on Sunday and Monday, I added the words the character. Because Carmella the character, it's just not believable that that she's champion and could hold it and defeat Oscar and Shaw uh, any other way but the way she's won. James Ellsworth interfering, duh, cheating, this and that. And when some people say, well, look at Edge, Mr. Opportunity is back there. What about cheat to win? And this is and that. What about he, the quintessential heel who cheats every time to get a victory? It's not the same. And the reason why it's not the same is you look at Carmella's in-ring in work. She has definitely improved. And I want to make this perfectly clear. Carmella is very, very young still. She has many years ahead of her if she wants to remain in, in wrestling. She will improve. More, more than likely, she will improve. She will get better. And she will definitely back, back it up in the ring. The problem is Carmella has no you know, resume right now where people see that she's a really fucking talented wrestler, but they're using her where she just cheats to win and the shortcuts and Ellsworth and this, this and that. She doesn't have that resume to back it up. And that's why people are so hard on Carmella as champion. And Alexa Bliss, you know, not on a level of Carmella, but Alexa Bliss gets some of that criticism as well. And you, you, as a wrestling fan out there, you have to, you know, resist when they try to make it personal. All right. It's nothing personal against them or Sarah Logan or anyone else. There are just some people who just, you know, shouldn't be in the position that they're in. No matter how nice they are, no matter how sweet they come across, no matter what you hear about them personally, no matter how beautiful or sexy they are, this and that, some people should not be in the position that they're in. And it goes with male wrestlers as well. So, but Becky Lynch now facing Carmella. Her promo yesterday, the one thing that I really applauded people online that I kept reading over and over again was it felt real. It felt real. It felt real. When things feel real and that line of reality and storyline suspension and belief is clouded, that's when it's most effective. And a lot of people felt like, oh, good. Looks like maybe she'll finally get that belt back. Now, you look at Becky Lynch's career in the WWE the last year. That is someone that you could turn around and say, what the fuck did they do with her? What the fuck are they doing with her? She wins that title against Carmella. All will be quickly forgotten as far as the, the way she's been treated. Did she feel like damaged goods right now? Probably close, but... She gets that title, all will be forgotten. It'll be a distant memory. And I hope she gets it because I I have been quoted on this show. There are clips on YouTube to back it up that over the last year, Becky Lynch was the one person that I wanted to see get a push with the title. It felt like she would, there was just something with WWE that just really put her on the back burner. And she's got years left in her career as well, but it's time to basically do something with her. And we'll see where it goes. Um, now, getting back to the Hulk Hogan. Uh, like I said, a lot of people have made quotes about and made statements about this. 
wrestlers who are black, wrestlers who are not black. I wanted to focus on wrestlers who are black because they are the ones who were hurt the most as far directly hurt the most as far as Hulk Hogan's comments from two, you know that were revealed in 2015. Yes, they were 8 years ago but they were revealed at that time when WWE let him go. Um the New Days statement and um D'Angelo De Niro's statement, the Pope. He those two statements I found, I don't want to say most powerful, but I thought they would be the ones you'd find most interesting. And when you actually hear them, they feel like they're on opposite sides of the spectrum. And honestly, I respect both of the statements equally. I have no problem with anyone out there that just feels, you know what, it's not time yet. And remember this, out of everything that I've said about Hogan returning to WWE... Keep keep this in mind, and I will keep stressing this because a lot of people seem seem to have ignored this aspect online. He is not under a Legends deal. He is not under any contract. Basically, WWE has opened the door and allowed him to come in and apologize. He is going to speak to young boys and girls and teens throughout the country and PSAs online and do interviews in few upcoming years talking about, you know, getting along and don't make the mistake I did and, you know, everybody should be treated equal. That still has to happen. So it's not that everything is all all but forgotten. No, he still has a boatload to do. So this is all that happened so far is WWE finally said, okay, let's open the door. You know, it's I, I hate using this example, but it's like two people who have broken up for several years and have not talked to each other, had a bitter falling out, and then they agree to have a conversation. After all of these years, they agree to just talk to each other just for a few minutes. All right, that's it. They're not back together. They're not dating. Not this, that. They just had a, just an opening conversation. And then you wait and you see where it develops. That's We're at phase one right now of about 20 phases when it comes to Hogan. But WWE also are taking baby steps because of the PC world we live in, because there are people of color who are truly offended and still offended by what Hulk Hogan said. So they introduced it and they're going to let it simmer. They're going to let it sink in. They're going to let people get used to it. And very, very slowly, they're going to build it back. And we'll see if Hogan holds his end of the bargain. So anyway, here are the two statements. First, I'll read you New Days. Now, I know some people were kind of annoyed that, oh, why is it a New Day statement? Why can't each one have their own individual feelings on it? I don't have any problem with the fact that all three of them came to a specific statement. But this is what they said, and uh, then I'll give you uh, D'Angelo De Niro's. From the New Day, and I quote, This will be the only statement we will make regarding Hogan's reinstatement into WWE's Hall of Fame. We do not wish to spend the energy debating the point because between our kids, our external ventures, and this job, our energy is spread thin enough already. We're only writing this simply to provide an answer to the many who have bombarded us with questions of where we stand on the issue. We preface this statement by emphasizing that this is our own opinion, may not necessarily reflect the opinion of anyone else affected. How do we feel? indifferent. We are not happy or sad or angry or resentful. Who WWE puts in the Hall of Fame is totally and completely up to the company. And from a career standpoint, there is no argument on whether or not Hogan should have his place. We have no problem with his reinduction in the slightest degree. It is impossible to even begin to mention the history and evolution of the business without mentioning his name and accolades. On a personal level, when someone makes racist and hateful comments about any race or group of people, especially to the degree that Hogan made about our people, we find it difficult to simply forget, regardless of how long it was or the situation in which those comments were made. But we also do not respond with more feelings of hate. Instead, we just do not associate with the people who convey or have conveyed this negative and hurtful mindset. This instance will be no different. Perhaps if we see him make a genuine effort to change, then maybe our opinion will change with him. Time will tell. 
Through the course of our lives, people have used racist comments towards us, and it doesn't feel good. But if we stopped moving forward every time we were met with prejudicial hatred, then we would have never achieved our current accomplishments. We know we are worth it, and we know our kids are worth it. And most importantly, we know that people that look like us are worth it and always have been. There isn't a person on this planet who will ever be able to say anything to make us think otherwise because we believe in ourselves as people. We don't need anyone's approval on that regardless of who they are. Having that said, his reinstatement won't change anything for us. It will have zero effect on our ability to perform on the level or effort we put into doing what we love to do, and that is to deliver an entertaining product each week for our fan base. Sincerely, The New Day. And they finish with the quote, never trade your authenticity for approval. And I thought that was very well written. They are obviously, you know, not, you know, completely forgiven. Hulk Hogan, and it's going to take a long road to, you know, get to that point. And who knows if it will ever get to that point for them. But they have every right to have that view. And I think a lot of you out there will agree with them wholeheartedly. Now, the Pope, D'Angelo De Niro, Elijah Burke, had a little bit of a different take on this. And his statement is a little longer, and it actually has a little story to it as well. But Again, I, I didn't want to have to pick and choose who I was going to read. I wanted to read two statements that seemed to be on the total different ends of the Hogan talk. You know, so I apologize if anybody out there wanted to hear this person's comments or this person's comments, but, you know, this will be a three-hour show if that's the case. And, you know, I don't I don't want to spend that much time on this. I, I You know, reading and talking and commenting – but actually, actions is totally different. But anyway, he had to say this, and I quote, So we've all learned by now that Hulk Hogan is back with the WWE. This move has garnered a lot of attention, as everyone knew it would, some good and some not so good. So before I give my stance on where I stand in this whole ordeal, I'd like to reflect back on the man behind the legend, the person I came to know somewhat personally over the years while we worked together in TNA, Terry Bollea, who I will refer to, obviously, as Hulk or Hogan. I previously met Hulk during my stint, stint, stint excuse me, in WWE, at which time I had not even scratched the surface as far as how of getting my foot wet in the business. He, along with Jimmy Hart and Brutus the Barber Beefcake, were walking around inside the arena, checking it out before his big match with Randy Orton at the SummerSlam pay-per-view. I went up and embraced Jimmy Hart, who's always been a lovable individual, and then introduced myself to Hogan and shook his hand. It was the first time I ever got to shake the hand of the legendary bigger-than-life superhero whom I grew up watching, and while I was on edge in a moment trying to be respectful of the man's time, he shot around some questions to me and gave me some advice on playing the game before moving on. I walked away thinking, man, Hulk was mad cool. Fast forward four years later, if someone had told me that myself and Hogan would be working side by side, standing and posing in the ring together with blood running down the face of the Hulk, I'd say they were insane. But that's exactly what happened. The kid whom four years earlier was given advice on how to play the game was now in the game, saving this legendary hero from a beatdown, being led by another childhood idol and favorite, the Nature Boy Ric Flair. It was stuff that anybody who grew up watching the sport of wrestling could only dream of. But to be in the ring with the two biggest superstars in wrestling history, truly an amazing moment in my career. I remember at the end of that night, Hulk, drenched in blood and sweat, retreated to his private dressing room. I wanted to thank him for the opportunity as I was still on a rush from the activities that transpired earlier. I started heading towards his locker room and saw that the door was wide open. I could see him sitting behind his desk, but as I neared, I noticed he had company, so I decided to make a U-turn and not interrupt. All of a sudden, Pope, where you going, brother? Come in and join me. I turned around and entered Hulk's private room where he was joined by, you guessed it, Brutus the fucking barber beefcake, and they were knocking down a couple of cold ones. Hulk with his face and hair still soaked in blood, offered me a beer, which I politely declined, because I don't drink, but it would have been cool if I did just to say so, but the offer was cool enough. And we sat and chatted before I left him and to be and departed for the night. That was important for me to share because this became somewhat of a common thing with me and the Hulk. It was during this time that Hogan was going through a lot of personal mishaps and hardships and struggles, as detailed by the A&E documentary entitled Finding Hulk Hogan. I had no idea that over the next year or so that I'd become cool with Hulk and his family. 
Brooke and I joked and flirted on the regular. She would often sit behind Mama Pope and scream her lungs out for me during my matches. Nick was always fun when he was around, respectful too. But the really cool part was Hulk letting me in. The things he would share with me when we had time to talk, I simply didn't feel like I was privy to. He shared personal detailed accounts of things he was going through at the time and about his personal life, his business dealings, the dark place he was in, but would always acknowledge that he's in a better place now because of his current wife and him giving his life to Christ. So now, through interacting with Hogan and talking with him more and more, I've become aware that Hogan is a believer, and to his knowledge or not, he had been talking and confiding in not just a black man, because his new pastor was black, but he was confiding in another believer, specifically Pope. He would often share with me what his pastor spoke on the Sunday before. Now, being a Pope is a believer, I personally believe in forgiveness, not just from God above, but from your peers among you. To forgive is to release yourself from a certain stranglehold, more so than it is for the individual you are forgiving. I do believe that we all at times in our lives have done and said things that are unbecoming of us and out of character. While consequences are often a result of such error, your error should not be your definitive story. It's what you're doing today that should determine who you are, not what you did 10 or 20 years ago. We as people believe in rehabilitation. We know that some can be reformed while others simply refuse to. With Hulk, I simply don't feel that that is the case. While I was upset and disappointed, just as many of you were and maybe still are, try this. Think about the worst thing that you have done thus far in your life. Post it on social media and see what the world thinks of you. Of course, no one would do such. And if so, I doubt it would it would be a moment of truthfulness because we see ourselves through filtered lenses, standing so close to the mirror that we can't see ourselves in our own wrong. Therefore, we find a certain level of escape by spending so much time wishing to destroy others in their fault instead of seeing them as we all are, imperfect humans, many who are simply in need of help or guidance. Here's an example of my best friend for years who was a size 15, barefoot walking, 260-pound redneck, and I, as well as him over the years, we've said things to each other out of anger, but never once in my heart did I ever consider him a racist or likewise. We didn't judge each other off of what we said during our heated moments of anger, but we judged each other off of our actions, and our actions dictated that we were two brothers of different colors that loved each other unconditionally who uh, would ride or die for each other. I'll never forget taking him to my church and him coming to the front to sing with me the old gospel classic Sweet Home. For me, to hold hate in my heart for Hogan's sin would imprison me, in turn causing me to be a vessel of hate myself, which I simply have no time or energy for. The man behind the legend made a mistake and unfortunately will have to live with it for the rest of his life. There's no need to take someone's livelihood away from them simply because of their past mistakes. It's not an ideology, but an admitted mistake. During the same time, the man placed a gun in his mouth. So just take a moment to think about who you're working with or who serves you or who's riding next to you or who you're working for, etc. We are living in a world with all types of people who have done and said unthinkable things, horrible and vile things, yet you know not of them. So you smile, laugh, and maybe even think the world of them. But furthermore, think of yourself and how you look at yourself every day in the mirror, knowing your own faults. But I digress. Hulk, if you're truly the man whom I believe you to be, then you know that whom the sun set, sets free is free indeed. Go forward and live your life accordingly, accepting the good, weathering the bad, while continuing to be a positive mark on humanity that you have been for over three decades. In closing, I simply want to say, Hulk Hogan, I forgive you. And I think that's just as powerful a statement as um, the New Day's. I thought it was wonderful. I really do. And, you know, whatever side you're on, maybe some of you are more towards the middle. You know, just again, we are all human beings. I know recently we've had discussions on the other show, and I remember on the DTKC show not too long ago saying that, you know, even famous people cry. Even famous people have feelings. Even famous people have feelings hurt. You know, of course... You know, they have more money, power, notoriety, and fame, and, you know, if just that feeling of being um, 
accepted and loved by so many people. So they have other ways to, you know, to, to confront that. Us, though, you know, it's a little bit harder for us because we're just regular people. And sometimes our pain, we don't have other ways to mask it. Me, I have always said for a very long time that at the end of the day, I think if people just treated others how they want to be treated, this world would be a much fucking better place. And that's really it. Uh, just an update regarding our Patreon pay-per-view predictions contest from Sunday for Extreme Rules. Uh, yes, Steve Shaw did in fact win the contest. Congrats to him. But we ended up giving away three runner-up prizes. Travis Charlet, Edward Vary, and Goldust. Uh, the reason why I decided to give it to all three of them is because Travis's entry was a little fucked up. He should have won the whole thing. Should have blew everyone else away, but he forgot to put an entry in for the Kevin Owens-Braun Strowman's match, so he didn't get points there. And there was another match that he chose that um, we don't know if he meant nine points or seven points. So rather than declaring him the sole runner-up and then pissing off the other people who arguably had the same point, I decided to give the prize to all three of them. So I will get in touch with all three of them and make sure you all get hooked up. And congrats again to all our winners. Shout out to our returning and new patrons, Justin Griffin, Nicholas Olivas, Pince, Drew Muckaway, Steve Robb, and Ben Ryan. And our associate producers, Tygsy Bowers, Razorback Rob, Jerry Stewart, Magic Johnson, Paul Woods Jr., Rich Maharg, Adam Demoy, Diogo Nobre, Johnny Marin, Michael Westfall, Brandon Foley, Charles Lentz, Vilnus Havoc, Courtney Summers, Croissant and Salami, the Evil Baker and Butcher, Billy Taylor, Nico Time, John Stern, Carlitos Ortiz Carrera II, Hassan Al-Hashmi, Brent Webster, Brandon Goins, Aaron Walker, Aaron Kloss, Out Nahia, Anthony Smith, James Grusom, Mark Israel, Matt Militia, Jeffrey Collins, Tim, Tim Everhart, Bob O'Mac, Sean DeMarsh, Lucia Dalban, Dan Hayes Valdez, Mandingo Chamberlain, Josh Wilson, Jason Pratt, Toby Deshong, Scott Woodford. Hope you're doing better, my friend. Actually, I know you are because I do see your post online. Daryl Long, Anthony Tackett, CJ Uihara, Cressman, James Deal, DJT, Russell Zavala, Kenneth Hewlett, Murrow Coombs Jr., Doug McKay, Anna the Gay Banana, Julian LeBlanc, Brandon Rice, Frank O'Shea, Cole Butog, a.k.a. Cheese of Rice, the Metaphor, Isaac Fox, Michael Cuomo, Daniel Warren, Brian Byrne, Rob McCabe, Douglas McKay, Marcus Antonius. I want to thank you, as always, for your support. I know to a lot of our listeners out there, it might sound like a broken record that I shout them out. I shout them out. They are our associate producers. They contribute to these shows financially, content. They're the reason why these shows remain free. for Everybody on our Patreon are the reason why these shows remain free for everyone. So if you want, by all means, you're welcome to check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Don Tony. For five bucks, you could sign up for the month, get access to our contest. It's still not too late to get into the silver and gold giveaways if you want to take part in them. Drawings are Thursday and Friday. Uh, we have the next predictions contest, which will be uh, SummerSlam. We also have Patreon exclusive podcast. Yours truly does a show with Anthony Missionary Thomas of Wrestling Soup. It's called Breakfast Soup. We do it every other Wednesday. There's over 55 episodes there. There's hundreds of hours, all exclusive content on Patreon. It's new sh stuff. I don't want anybody to think this is just old retro podcast stuff from years ago. No, we do this every other week. And if you're a VIP member, you could, you know, send in content, discussions. It's just, it's really cool. And for everybody that always wanted a Kev Castle solo show, he's got Castle Chronicles there. Over 50 episodes as well. He's doing a new show this Thursday. So check it out. You know, you can sign up. $5, you get the whole month. And I always offer this. If you sign up, you don't like the page, you're not happy. You send me a private message, I will PayPal you the $5 back, no questions asked. I don't take it personal. All right, so, but I tell you, we've never had anyone take us up on that offer, and everybody that signs up there absolutely loves it. So go check it out, and you'll really help us keep these shows free, the bills paid, the lights on. It really does help us tremendously. Again, if you haven't seen it yet, you could just check out our synopsis page. You could go on my Twitter, uh, really just... Just humbling. Christ in the Toyverse, they did a 
podcast review. It's 10 minutes, but it's still funny because there's video as well. They reviewed my bobblehead. So if you want to, people have asked me, am I going to put the bobblehead on sale? I don't know. I mean, I, I give them away in, in contest on Patreon, but I don't know if anybody out there would really spend the money to buy a Don Tony bobblehead. Now they are, you know, legit ceramic, you know, it's not plastic or anything like that. And again, if you want to see what the bobblehead's all about, just go check out Christ in the Toy Versus little review of it. You know, they're not doing it to kiss ass or anything. They're just straight up honest about, you know, what it looked like and everything else. You could see it up close and personal. You could see what it looks like next to other bobbleheads. And, you know, as far as how much it costs to make, I'll be honest with you. If I put these things on sale, I will put it on sale for cost. You know, I don't want to even, it's not even about making money off of it. You know, it would be cool if other people want it. The problem is, and, you know, look, every podcast out there will tell you that they've gone through the same thing. You know, when it comes to, you know, shirts in a pro wrestling t-shirt store, it's different because the shirts are made to order. You order, you want to buy a shirt, it's made custom to you and it gets shipped out. When it comes to bobbleheads and other stuff, I got to buy this stuff in advance and they have to make it. And, you know, the, the bobbleheads, I'll use an example, 40 bucks. All right, if I say, okay, my bobblehead's going to be on sale 40 bucks, this is an ad, you know, and don't make no money, It's that's the cost. I'll probably have 500 people that'll say, oh, put it on sale, I'm there. I de you, you put that on sale, I'm, I'm going to buy one immediately. And then you may only get 10 to 20 people to buy it. And that's what happens with shirts also. You know, you, you put up a design. I, I will never forget, and I've brought this up before. You know, when we first started the debates a couple of years ago about Roman Reigns, Kev was a tremendous supporter of Roman Reigns a couple of years ago. And, you know, Andy Rocketeer was an awesome artist who, you know, he's, he's the person I go to. And if you're ever looking for good artwork for shirts or for your shows or just for graphics, let me know and I will hook you up with Andy Rocketeer. And money-wise, you know, you don't do it for free, but he is beyond reasonable and his turnaround is insanely fast. He is, and plus he's a really good guy. And um, I remember he made like a cartoon spoof of Roman Reigns with Kevin Castle. And we put it up there and, you know, Kev loved the design. It, it was beautiful. And I remember all these, oh, put it on a shirt. And I got, that's mine. Put it on a shirt. You got to put it on a shirt. I'll buy one, put it on a shirt. We put it on a shirt. We sold two. I think to this day, we've sold a total of five. And I kid you not, have you ever seen anyone in social media? And it's not just that shirt. I don't want anybody to think, oh, because it's a Kevin Castle shirt. There's other shirts as well that you put a design up. Oh, put it up, make it in a shirt. I'm there. And then you only get three people to buy it. So I, I don't want to mass produce these bobbleheads and then get stuck with 100 bobbleheads. But if anybody out there is really serious about buying one, you know, my guess is it would be around a $40 range. You know, the more I make, the, you know, have them make as far as quantity, the cheaper they get. And, uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, I do have about 10 or 15 on hand. But like I said, we get, give it as one of the prizes on Patreon as well. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But check out Texas Podcast Massacre. They have an awesome podcast on YouTube horror film themed kev castle was on their recent episode reviewing they live starring roddy piper tv tracks still on his vacation and deservingly so but he does have his archives on youtube if you want to go check it out rocked reviews absolutely entertaining podcast i mean 90 percent of the music they review i'm not even a fan of but i still listen to their shows because it's so entertaining nothing like you've ever heard as far as reviews go it's it's really a lot of fun and dj dell's in his sneaker podcast i mean it's just so entertaining to see celebrities famous people politicians wrestlers movie stars and they're just talking about sneakers i mean if you see the pattern of what i plug here Everything is different. Everything is unique. SubZeroComics.com for all your wrestling, comic book, pop culture collectibles. Your Best Bargains LLC has an Amazon and an eBay store. So there's a nice little variety of different things, and I definitely recommend you check it out. You will absolutely enjoy it. Um, Monday Night Raw, uh, you know, people reported that the ratings rebounded a little bit. Um, you know, look, our one rebounded 
All right, 3,118,000 viewers. But then hour two, it dropped to 2.85. And then by hour three, it was down to 2.62. Okay, they went down 500,000 viewers by the end of the night. And I know people will immediately blame it on the fucking home run derby. You know, look, I, I totally agree. You don't compare the ratings of WWE from 10 years ago. All right, Raw 1000 did over 6 million viewers. I think Raw 1000 was, what, six years ago? I think we're approaching the anniversary of that. It was like 6.5 million viewers. That's a boatload of viewers, and it was only five, six years ago. All right, but you go back a year, two years, three years, and some other major sporting events, and the ratings are not affected like you think it is. I mean, recently we had the NBA playoffs, and then we were one week or two weeks removed from the NBA playoffs, and the ratings were at the record low. What sport are you going to blame it on this time? Soccer? It wasn't even on TV. You're going to blame it on tennis, football? You know, they, they weren't on TV. So you can't blame it on another sport. But... If you notice this week, this was something that I said on Sunday, and if you read a lot of reports, it's exactly what I predicted it would be. They teased Brock Lesnar being on Raw Monday, and a lot of websites immediately fell for it. That's why Sunday night during a preview, I went on Twitter and I said, look, to clear up what some people are misreporting, WWE never said if he doesn't show up on Raw, he's stripped of the title. You had to listen to it very carefully because Kurt Angle said it. It was a little bit unclear, and then you had Michael Cole repeat it like two minutes later, and it was still it was more clear, but still some people, I think it went right over their head. What they said on the pay-per-view is that he either has to show up on Monday for Raw or he has to agree to his next title defense or he'd be stripped. So if you read between the lines, he didn't have to appear on Raw in order to you know not be stripped. As long as Paul Heyman came out there and negotiated the next title defense, he wouldn't be stripped of the title. And that's what I said on Sunday. That's exactly what happened on Raw. Paul Heyman came out at the beginning of the show. And remember this, too. What did Kurt Angle say at the pay-per-view? And what did WWE hype up a couple of times online as well? They said the first thing that happens on Raw is Kurt Angle is going to strip Brock Lesnar of the title if he doesn't show up or he doesn't agree to his next match. So what happens? Hour one, 3.2 million people almost, three, three, a little over 3.1 million. Paul Heyman comes out, no Brock Lesnar. People thought that Hulk Hogan might make an appearance as well, but for the most part, it was to see if Brock Lesnar is going to come out. Paul Heyman makes the deal. Paul Heyman announces that Brock Lesnar is not there. So hour two drops down to 2.8. Hour three drops down to 2.6. But, you know, look, I don't want to stir up shit. Because loyal WWE fans are treating Seth Rollins wonderfully right now. Yes, I know the countdown chance at the pay-per-view. I'm not going to get into it again. I already gave a couple of arguments why I didn't have a problem with it. Die-hard, dedicated WWE fans right now in unison for the most part believe Seth Rollins is the guy right now. I, I think a lot of people would not argue with me about that. But... At the same time, though, Seth Rollins being in main events on Raw has not equated to ratings. We have record low ratings. I'm not blaming it on any one individual. I'm blaming it on WWE as a whole. All right, this has been building for quite some time. And, you know, WWE wants to push certain agendas on TV. I'm not blaming it on the women. I'm not blaming it on anything else. But WWE is taking a certain route. I again, you know, you can take a lot of little small pieces and put it together and you have a recipe for people who will watch WWE, but because it's not compelling television anymore, they'll wait for a YouTube clip. They'll wait for Hulu. They'll wait to see, you know, a little segment posted on Twitter. They'll wait for other ways to they'll wait for the WWE website to post a clip here and there. So the thing that WWE needs to do they need to have more compelling television. They have a great roster, 
to to do this with. The TV has to be more compelling. It's not necessarily who is on the TV. It's got to be more compelling. And as great as we all feel about Seth Rollins right now, I have been wanting to see Seth Rollins take the title from Brock Lesnar and anyone else. If there's anybody smaller in size that could possibly, you know, give us the suspension of disbelief that they could defeat Brock Lesnar, I think Seth Rollins is the guy. All right. There were rumors that Finn Balor was going to face Brock Lesnar. And, you know, a lot of people criticized that. Oh, he's too small. This and that, which I thought was a little ridiculous as well. But Seth Rollins, his athleticism and dodging Brock Lesnar and tacking him from not from behind, but, you know, being a little bit much that much faster than Brock and hitting him with certain moves and going off, doing some high flying stuff. I could close my eyes and envision Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar being entertaining. Without a doubt. But at the same time, though, it's not equating into ratings. You know, and didn't we have two, three weeks ago where the, it was a unique episode of Raw? Not in content, but every hour the rating would go up, go up, go up. That's all we had when we were younger. The rating would always increase as hour one goes into two and hour two goes into three. It would always, it would go up, up, up. Now it goes down, down, down. So you're not keeping the viewers that are tuning in at the beginning of the show. The product has to be more compelling. Now, I'm going to save this for another episode because, like I said, I feel horrendous right now. You have no idea. I wanted to pretty much just do about an hour show. And again, I just did the Don, Tony, and Kevin Castle show not even 48 hours ago. So there's not a whole lot that I can get into and add to this. I wanted to cover the G1 Climax, Climax New Japan, but they're only up to day three. And I think the highest number of points that anyone has is four. So it's way too early for me to, you know, get into that. Um, I'm still waiting on attendance numbers for House of Hardcore in Australia. So if any Aussies out there that have an approximation, if you could send it to me, I'd appreciate it. Uh, good news, we can confirm that Kevin Owens is fine. Uh, he And it was good they kept him off TV. That was the way to go. And I'm telling you, I think this is going to be a little bit of a change in his character on TV going forward. I'm not saying he's going to be a full-blown baby face, but I think when we look back on it six months from now, I think people are going to say that jump off the uh, cage. It, that spot off the cage is, is going to be the turning point of a different direction a little bit in Kevin Owens' character. We'll, we'll just wait and see. I mean, um, but uh, it's at least we know that he is okay. Now, there's reports going around. WWE's reporting that Kane suffered a broken ankle. You know, again, he's got an election August 6th, and he is almost a lock to win this thing. So, you know, they had to take him off of TV. Even if he does have a legit ankle injury a little bit, you know, not to the extent of it being broken, they were taking him off TV. And this that I've been saying that for a few weeks now. I mean, look, I know a lot of us were were hoping that hell no would stick around a little bit longer. That was, you know, a, a little nostalgic moment that was going to take place on Extreme Rules. You know, in the future, we may see a Kane appearance here and there with Daniel Bryan. But for the most part, you got your little nostalgic moment. Now we have to move on and see what happens with Daniel Bryan next. And that's pretty much it. I mean, I, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I can really get into. I can't think of anything right now. Um, yes, as I joked on Sunday, they did extend Ronda Rousey's suspension longer. You know, I, I said it in jest. I didn't think they were actually going to do it. Yeah, even though Kurt Angle in storyline said it's extended for only one more week, it's actually two weeks when you think about it because the suspension ends in the middle of the week. So originally she was going to come back next week, but she can't come back until the week after. So it's really a two-week suspension when you think about it as far as TV goes. Uh, don't forget this Sunday, we have the Slammiversary pay-per-view. I'm actually going to watch it, and I'm not sure yet, but I'm thinking about possibly doing a pay-per-view recap. Quite honestly, I don't know if I'm going to do so. Unfortunately, I would say probably 10% if not less of our total audience 
actually watches TNA, and it's sad. Um, when we get questions, comments, things people want us to discuss, 98% of it is non-TNA. So I don't know if I'm going to do a pay-per-view recap or not. So please, you know, I, let's, let's see what happens. On my Twitter right now, I have a little poll up uh, to see for the next episode of This Week in Wrestling History, do you want me to once again do like I did last week, start off with the most recent history and work our way to the oldest, or do you want me to go back to covering the oldest first and go to the newest? So go on there because that poll's only going to be up, I think, until tomorrow. And then uh, make sure you check out this past week in wrestling history. It was a lot of fun to put together. Next week is interesting as well. I already started putting things together, and I got some clips. You always try to find a couple of gems that people may have never heard before or may have completely forgot about. And usually we get some people, in fact, we do get it every week, where people are like, holy fucking shit, I never heard this before. Or people will be like, wow, I can't believe I, I, I totally haven't heard this in 15 years or 10 years. And uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun next week. I think next week is going to be a lot uh, of smaller clips. However, there are three matches that I'm putting together highlights of that are going to run probably about 12 or 13 minutes apiece. But they are very important matches uh, in history. One in particular is um, the first of its kind. So look out for that next week. But with that said, I think we're done. Don't forget on Monday, we're going to do the Blackheart Mid-Year Awards. You know, every year we do the year-end awards, but for the first time this year, we're going to get into the first six months. I think that's something a little bit different, just to, you know, change it up a little bit. Uh, same topics that we did for the year-end awards for last year. I'm going to email the categories to Kev probably tonight so he can have a few days to think about it and come up with his choices. So we'll get into that Monday as well. Now, if I end up doing a Slammiversary pay-per-view recap, I will definitely post it on social media, and I will also post it on Patreon and uh, as well as the regular websites. And one other thing as well, going forward... We're going to put the pay-per-view recaps that we do do, or I do, they're going to be posted just like they are now, but in the future, they're going to be its own separate download. So a lot of people have asked to have that not attached to the DTKC show episode that airs the following day after a pay-per-view. To be honest with you, the only reason why I always attached it was because, you know, when we do an episode... It, it to have the recap attached to it, we could continue conversations that you would actually have heard as part of the same download. If you don't download the recap, then you get a lot of people, oh, how come you didn't talk about this? How come you didn't talk about that? Because a lot of times when we do the recaps, we also get in some news tidbits as well. So I try to keep everything in one download, but a lot of people have been asking to have the recaps as a separate download. So going further, starting with SummerSlam and possibly with Slammiversary this Sunday, I will be posting these as separate downloads. So, all right, everyone, enjoy the rest of the week. I am really sorry again for this short broadcast, but you have no idea. If you would see my shirt right now on how drenched in sweat it is, it's just, I, you would not believe how sick I feel right now. So as soon as I get this online, I'm going to take some fucking medicine and try to pass out for a couple of hours. So everyone be well. Follow me on Twitter at Don Tony D. The website, DonTony.com. Email me, DonTony at DonTony.com. And once again, if you like what we do, you want to help support the shows a little bit financially and get a lot of stuff in return, give our Patreon page a shot, patreon.com slash DonTony. Very small, very tight-knit family over there. Very interactive as well. So, you know, go check that out, and uh, I will catch you all soon. So the next edition of Brexit with Blasi will be in two weeks, which will be August 1st. Already we're going to be in the month of August, Jesus Christ. And I'll be back this Monday with Kev Castle with your next installment of the Don Tony and Kev Castle Show. Everyone take care, and I will talk to you all soon. Ciao.